Hello and welcome back to Jake's World, episode 70 of Jake's World, presented by The Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Wednesday, June 16th. I gotta say, guys, um, being, I don't know how, um, how much time, like, a pro podcaster devotes to finding content that's, like, interesting, right? Like, I mail it in a little bit, but for me, this is a hobby. It's not like I'm getting a paycheck for doing it, right? I like doing it. I enjoy talking about things and offering my spin on things, and there are some people who listen to it, and that's cool, right? But, like, I'm not talking about your big sports podcasts or um, like your niche podcasts that go into um, like a select um, a select subject right like um, people do true crime podcasts right or of course just sports podcasts um I mean, honestly, you can find a podcast about just about anything, and um, it's, I try to find things that are, like, interesting enough that aren't just major news to um, break up the monotony of, you know, going through playoff games, because, like, I don't want to be just a sports podcast, I want to talk about an assortment of things, right, and maybe I just don't look hard enough I mean and it's not even that I don't find things are funny right I find everything to be funny um I laugh at um bonk memes like you know the dog and the baseball bat go to horny jail bonk I think that shit's funny like I bonk my friends in my group chat all the time um I'm on twitter all the time and I see news that's you know not really exciting to talk about I mean what do I want to do talk about Joe Biden stumbling his way through a summit and like a European tour embarrassing the United States no not really it makes me irritated and I don't think that's funny or worth talking about because it's a fucking even though it is a fucking joke but um I don't know how they do it like (laughs) people are very very creative and I don't think everybody's that creative, but they must spend a lot of time finding interesting things to talk about. And, like, my life's not that interesting. I can't talk about, like, my vacation in Cabo or... Fuck, they're, like, some girls I go to school with. It's, it's typically girls, I feel like, that they're always traveling or doing something it's like man oh man i wish i was a hedge fund baby and i can go enjoy my life like that and not have a job and worry about things that would be so cool but um anyways i gave the old google search a try and um this is this is what i'm saying it's hard right okay i'll hop around these stories here because the The second to last one really caught my eye. I just typed recent news on my phone. I use Safari. I don't know if that matters, but these are filtered from Google as the top stories recently, I guess. 
And from NBC News, Biden-Putin summit, key takeaways from an all-business meeting in Geneva. Russian President and President Biden met in Geneva, Switzerland and talked. I'm sure that was very intelligent. I'm sure Joe said, like, I like cats or something. Here's how to get a free Six Flags ticket for getting the COVID-19 vaccine in California. Okay, I guess. I mean, Delta variant. Okay. I mean, I think we're at the point where people just like being scared of the pandemic. They like being told what to do. They like having rigid structure. And they um, shame anyone into doesn't who doesn't like being afraid all the time into being afraid all the time. Um, extreme heat bakes West toppling longstanding record. Justice Department ends criminal inquiry lawsuit on John Bolton's book. That guy's a fucking weirdo. Biden cancels $500 million in student debt for victims of for-profit school fraud. Um, that's probably a good thing. You don't want to be defrauded by a university. Justice Department ends policy limiting asylum for gang violence and domestic abuse survivors. Um, I'm sure someone will be angry and someone will be happy for that. Uh, House to vote on vote Wednesday on making Juneteenth a federal holiday. I mean, I don't think that's exciting it's noteworthy i guess i mean emancipation and the abolition of slavery is important but it's not worth talking about on a podcast because i have no take on it texans can carry handguns without a license or training starting september 1st after governor greg greg abbott signs dot 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 and i was like no not getting into that subject i will skip the one i was talking about Education Department says Title IX protects LGBTQ students. Um, I thought that was the case all along. This one. This one caught my eye. And these are the stories I need to find more. Die and go to hell. Assistant Utah Attorney General sends fiery email after candidate disturbs his nap. Ooh. I thought he just said, like, die and go to hell. I'm going to read this whole article. It's not that long. Because, you know, all the ads, pop-up ads, take up, you know, most of the webpage. So, shouldn't be too fain- painful. But, I did find this pretty funny. Die and go to hell. Assistant Utah AG sends fiery email after candidate disturbs his nap. Darren Mano said he was shocked to read Assistant Attorney General Stephen Wuthrich's email after knocking on doors for his city council campaign. Wuthrich has apologized. This is as of today at 2.19 Eastern or something EDT. I don't even know what EDT means. It's got to be Eastern time. So it's EST. But um, whatever, not important. Um, Utah Assistant Attorney General Stephen Wuthrich apologized after telling a Salt Lake City Council member to kindly die and go to hell in an expletive-laden email claiming that the city legislator disturbed his nap on Saturday. Darren Mano, Salt Lake City's first Asian American council member, told NBC News Wednesday that he was shocked and disturbed to read the prosecutor's angry email when he returned home Saturday night after knocking on doors for his city council campaign. First of all, um, NBC News is uh, left of center when it comes to their news reporting. And I mention that because the fact that he's the first Asian American council member for Salt Lake City, Utah, although noteworthy because that's a 
good accomplishment has nothing to do with this story, unless it was racially cited in the email. So I might be putting my foot in my mouth in about five minutes, but as it stands right now, has nothing to do with the context of this article. I will do everything in my power to see you never get elected to any office higher than dog catcher. That's not good. Uthrich wrote in his fam in his email to Mano, I hate you. I hate your family. I hate your solicitors. I hate your contributors. I hate your sponsors. Kindly die and go to hell, motherfucker. Uthrich issued an apology about the fiery email late Tuesday afternoon. Last Saturday, I was awakened from a nap and reacted with undue anger based solely on the interruption to my tranquility, Uthrich said in a statement. Since then, I have regretted the ferocity and language of that email. My words were uncivil and unprofessional. From me personally, I apologize to Salt Lake City Councilman Darren Mano and his family. I never wish harm to Mr. Mano, his family, or anyone associated with him. No parent, spouse, or child should be subjected to such emotional outbursts. I am deeply sorry. Mano, who was appointed to fill the vacancy left by Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall in January 2020, will be on the ballot for the first time in November. While he accepted the apology, Mano said Wuthrich had yet to reach out to him or his team about the email. It was an inappropriate response, particularly from a public official. Wuthrich did not immediately respond to, question about, to a question about whether he contacted Mano personally. Mano said he felt obligated to publicly share the email because of the rise in hate crimes against Asian American communities across the country. There it is. Um... Well, before I tear that to shreds, I will continue reading. In, <clears throat> in a Facebook post, Mano wrote, As an Asian American and member of the LGBTQ plus community, I must stand up against hate speech and call it out when I see it. That is not hate speech. He did not. Okay, the dog catcher thing. I, no. That's not hate speech. Don't make it about hate speech. Mano acknowledged that the email didn't name or target his identity, but it said it felt personal because Wuthrich mentioned his family, who was shown on a flyer left at the prosecutor's home. In photos of the flyer, the council member said he is a person of color and could be seen in photos with his partner and four children. Well, sir, thank you for acknowledging the fact that it had nothing to do with your race or your sexual orientation or anything else that distinguishes you from a majority person because it has nothing to do with that but that's not why i'm critiquing your article in his initial email okay and the rest of it's just nonsense but um what a ridiculous story those are the things i need to find because dude okay first of all the assistant attorney general has to be like bipolar or diabetic or something because like, there are so many times at work, and I'm sure anyone who's been at work, who, like, is so irritated that day, or somebody's not understanding something, and they explain it 52,000 times, they just want to do that. Just let her rip. And you can't. But, oh, the article was written by an Asian American person. His name's Wilson Wong. So, of course... Politics, out of it, out of it, out of it. Okay. That's absurd. That's all I got for it. Like, that's just, those are the things I need to find all the time. Maybe I should just do that every day. Like, twice a day. 
I'm going to try that. I'm going to try if that works. But crazy story. I can probably guarantee you that guy will not. If that's an elected position. Um, if that's an elected position. Uh, yeah, he probably won't win that again. But um, don't make it a crime if it's not. I had to say that. Okay. Um, to the sports. Another wild week, I guess, for um, two of the sports, really. Um, basketball. You can start here. Injuries, injuries, injuries. No one likes injuries. Plain and simple. Um, a lot of guys gone down this playoffs. Uh, they released the All-NBA teams today. And I think, or All Stars, or whatever. They did all of it today. They did the award. They did the MVP award last week. I think they did like Rookie of the Year. Lamelo Ball won. Shouldn't have. He played half the season, but whatever. I mean, it's a popularity contest in the NBA, anyways. But um, they did the All NBA teams, and I think I saw a post on Instagram somewhere about um. I think of the 12 All-Stars that were in the playoffs, seven of them have missed time due to an injury. Um, the recent ones, um, Kawhi Leonard, Clippers Furious, an ACL injury. That would be devastating for the Clippers because, I mean, he's the heart and soul of that team. I mean, who else is on that team? They're a talented team. They have that... Um, Paul George, of course, but he shows up whenever he wants to, and when he wants to show up, he doesn't show up, but he doesn't need to show up. He does. It's weird. Playoff PP, playoff poo. Part, uh, part of my takes nicknames for him. He's just like the least clutch player ever, and Kawhi Leonard is like conversely, conversely, like the most clutch one on that team. So it's like that's not good for them. Um, and Bede's got a torn meniscus, partially torn meniscus. Um, Kyrie Irving sprained his ankle real bad in the net series. Chon Carden came back. Shot 0 of 10, or 1 of 10, 0 of 8 from 3. He looked ready to play. Which, by the way, didn't even matter unless it's just moral support and the way that, um, I don't even know how to say the Bucks coach's name. Bolhauser, 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 yeah, speak Jake. It's like, it, Bud, I'm just going to call him Bud. Bud Budhauser or something, whatever. Bud, his name's Bud. The only reason why Harden played, because Bud would like leave their best defender on him the whole time, even though he was like, I could have went out there and shot 0 of 8 for 3. Give me that contract. Um... I don't know, <laughs> but um, staying on the injuries, like Chris Paul missed time because of a COVID thing. If it comes out that he didn't test positive and like he was out with his family or he was out doing whatever and it violated protocol, the NBA is a joke because three weeks ago or a month ago, LeBron James did the same thing and he plastered it all over his Instagram story. You know, I'm at a party with Drake and whoever else, and, you know, oh, yeah, Akron, king of all, uh, the king, the kid from Akron, fucking washed king, you're a dope. 
NBA didn't get him in trouble. He played no problem there. So if they do the same, they do the opposite to Chris Paul, I will fucking personally riot. Bullshit. It's a joke. But, um, yeah, I mean, playoffs are playoffs, right? Um, you got the Sixers and the Hawks in the East. There, that series just... Joel Embiid, I know he's hurt, but it looks like he's out of shape all the time. Like, I think a couple years ago, he was on the record for, like, eating cheeseburgers before the game. Like, buddy, you're a pro athlete. What are you doing? Yeah, of of course, you're not concerned about, like, how your body looks. You, you're seven feet tall. You play center. Like, no one cares about that. It's about how you feel, how you perform. It's about being functional, not how you look. It's not about aesthetics and pro sports. Unless that's your sport, like, you're not a bodybuilder. Like, you want to be able to perform at what you're doing. Does eating a triple cheeseburger with bacon help you do that? Probably not. And I'm not saying he's still like that anymore, but, like, he appears to be out of shape. Injuries aside. And another another thing that you could add to my point that makes it more solid, why is he always hurt? You know, when you're conditioned, right, you don't get hurt because of those impact injuries. I mean, unless he's just made of glass. I don't know. It's the same thing with Anthony Davis. It's like, what are you guys doing to constantly be hurt? Like, 80's soft, too. Like, the fuck are you always hurt for? And, I mean, this year's a special example, I think, because, um... Short offseason, everybody looks tired. So maybe that plays into it. But, I mean, in, even in normal circumstances, Joel Embiid's always gassed. And it's like, no, it's a big frame to lug around. But it's like, yeah, is he an all-NBA defensive player? Yeah, but that award's washed now. Those guys don't really play defense. I mean, honestly, there's a few guys in the league that I say actually play defense. Um, Draymond Green, because that's the only thing he's actually really good at, I think. That Warriors team is a very underrated defensive player. Everyone's captivated by the offensive metrics of that team, but they were just as good defensively as a team, and Draymond facilitated that effort on defense. Ben Simmons, he can't shoot, but he can do just about everything else pretty well, and he does play defense. I mean, that guy plays defense on the best player on the other team most nights. Um, Rudy Gobert. Stifle Tower. <laughs> he plays defense. I mean, he's 7 2. He's pretty limited offensively because he's so big, but of course. And then, I mean, you have guards that play defense too. Like, um, Jimmy Butler's a pretty good defender. Actually, I'd say he's a really good defender. Um, Kawhi Leonard's the best two way player in basketball for his skill relative to his defensive abilities. By far and, by far and away, the best two way player in basketball. Um, I mean, there's a couple other guys, too. I mean, Drew Holiday is a pretty good on-ball defender for a guard. Um, there's another guy from the Sixers who made the second All-NBA team. I don't remember his name, though. Um, I mean, there's guys that are capable defenders. I and mean, even Chris Paul plays defense pretty well. I mean, he used to. Probably not as well as he could anymore, but most guys don't. I mean, it's just not an emphasis and that's just the way the league is. I think it's kind of boring to watch. I mean, grown men fly around and pretend to, you know, be injured. And that, I guess that 
that keeps viewers watching, I guess. I don't know. But, um, fuck, I was just going to say something. Um, lost it. I don't know. Um, fuck, I hate when that happens. And it happens to me so much. It's like doing this podcast by yourself is hard sometimes because, like, you're trying to keep all these ideas straight in your head. And, you know, when you're hosting with with somebody else, you can at least let them talk. Or while they're talking or answering you or whatever, when you're not actively speaking, you can write something down. And it's hard to do it by yourself because, like, I can't just take 20 seconds off and write something down and then continue. I'm too lazy to pause it, so I just like to let it rip. I don't edit too much, and you can probably tell. Like, the sound quality is not subpar. But, like, I was listening to Chicklets the other day, and um, the producer, Mike Grinnell, is like, yeah, I usually edit, like, six hours after that. It's like, bro, that's not my job. I don't, I can't do that. I don't sell merch. I don't get paid to edit podcasts. I'm just doing this for fun, and that's what I do. So, anyways, um, fuck, I don't remember what the hell I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. Okay. Um, Jazz Clippers, the other series out in the west, along with um, Nuggets Suns wrapped up last week. That wasn't even a contest. Like, thanks for coming. MVP gets bounced in four games. Oh, and that ejection, too, that was kind of a shitty look, I thought. I mean... I think Jokic is a little dirty. I think it's like the European sandpaper, I guess. But, I don't know, tossing them. It, and they probably wouldn't have won anyways, but whatever. Um, Clippers Jazz, of course, still going on. That series was getting wrapped up. Um, what's the other one out west? Oh, that was it. The Suns are done. This is game five. Yeah, they kind of staggered the start times this year. Kind of strange that you have two series going on and that one's already done but I mean Sixers I think that's game f five tonight yes yeah, split two ways we're going back to Philly Bucks game five was last night Jesus what an ugly series of like basketball the games have been well two of the games have been entertaining like the rock fight uh, last Thursday and then last night was good I mean Bucks blew like a 20 point lead over the course of the entire game but I don't know I, it's hard to talk about games you don't watch that much I mean I pay attention to them but I don't really watch them I don't like watching professional basketball it's just not for me and I feel like it's a miracle I can have any um intelligent and um articulated opinion on it but I don't know <laughs> that's hoops for you um hockey is awesome i love it um islanders beat bruins six game series islanders ran them out of the gym barn rank whatever the technical verbiage you use with there would be there's so many slang terms you could use anyways but it's tampa and the islanders um, Islanders took back home ice advantage. Take one on the road in Tampa. 
Oh, then, then, like, I talked about this last week or the week before about how, uh, must have been the week before, where the Hurricanes fan was, bef- like, and his, his dad and his kid were, like, watching warm-ups in the lower deck, and the team asked him to leave. Those fuckers did the same thing. Like, they, before the game even started, like, they're watching pregame skate in a lower level. You're allowed to do that if you're wearing a Tampa Bay Lightning jersey, I guess. They kicked out a whole section of people, and they had to leave. It's like, what is going on? Like, stupid. I'm not going to get into that again. <clears throat> but um, on the other side, Vegas did finish up Colorado in six, and it wasn't close the last four games. did mention that Colorado is pretty lucky to be going back to Denver. Tied. Uh, that could have easily been a gentleman's sweep. But um, Vegas um, showed Montreal who was boss after Montreal very cleanly swept Winnipeg. Um, yeah, that was not close. Could you imagine being a pro athlete, right? <clears throat> and um, you have to play your home games without fans. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got to raise the ante. You're going to the conference finals, Western Conference finals. It's the first time Canada... I, I don't think Canada, any Canada team, well, no, I shouldn't say that. Montreal has never played in the Western Conference Western Conference Finals. They play in the Eastern Conference. I believe they're in the Metro. Um, yeah, imagine that. Your first game of the season with fans is like the most important game of the year. And they played pretty well for the first period, and then after that, oh, it was all Vegas. And I think it's going to continue to be all Vegas. So, I'm not sure how it's going to go game three at home. I mean, no fans. It's going to be pretty quiet. I mean, the advantage is it's there now. I mean, it's not like in... Oh, fuck. I remember what I was going to say now. The fans. It had something to do with the Chris Paul thing. Um, Buddy and I were talking about this yesterday. It makes no sense why there's still such a stiff protocol or strict protocol in the United States right now, if you have fans in the building, why are the players subject to these rules if the people watching the games aren't? Like, oh, we're worried about the spread. No, you're not. You're worried about money. You're selling tickets to these games, and then you're going to put someone on the shelf because of contact tracing? That makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. But I digress. Um, baseball. Baseball is the big one. More injuries. But I talked about baseball and these unwritten rules and the commissioner and, you know, the rules officiation, the rules committee and the writers and players associations' inability to effectively handle problems in their sport. A um, couple weeks ago, or maybe like a week and a half, two weeks ago, um, Manfred, the commissioner of the MLB, announced that they were going to begin cracking down on the application of sticky stuff. You ever see uh, Major League? If you ever seen the baseball movie Major League starring Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger, um, don't give me any of that old lady bullshit. Uh, it's a great flick. It's an all-time comedy. Um, 
what Harris is fucking pitcher's name. He's like, you put snot on the ball. He's like, I'll put anything on the ball. I'll use um, KY jelly, uh, vapor rub, jalapeno sauce. Really gets my nose running. I put snot on the ball. Hey man, an arm like mine, you use anything to get a leg up. Hundred percent. The point of that, me saying that, is that pitchers have been doing this forever. And now all of a sudden it's a problem that, uh, you know, people put pine tar under the the part of your glove that goes above your wrist, you know, where you put your hand in the glove. Like, there's a, where you can tighten it on, like, your little kid gloves, but when you get your better gloves, like your Wilsons and your Rawlings and, uh, um, whatever glove you use there's dozens of gloves you can choose from usually those are fitted but I'm just trying to describe where you was like any glove you have where you would tighten it along your wrist above that the flat there's a flap like this pocket in there there's I don't know if it's like felt or whatever the material is you can put something on the ups like above your wrist while it's in your glove you could put pine tar as a popular substance, right? It's, it's like the tacky, um, I don't know if serum's the right word, or rub. Almost like hair gel, right? It's like that, it's a little tackier than hair gel, but hitters use it to hold the bat. That way it doesn't fly out of their hands. Back in the day when batting gloves weren't as prominent, you would use pine tar. Now guys kind of overload on the stuff right it's all over their batting gloves you'll see like them the old school helmets like from the guys that played in the early 2000s like Manny Ramirez was super popular for this they put pine tar on like the face of their glove or the helmet that's why it looked so filthy right they would just tap their helmet rub it on their batting gloves and then the bat and they'll you can put pine tar on your label to uh, up to the label on the bat you can you know you can it just helps you hold on to things, right? And it's the same concept with pitchers. When you have something tackier on your fingers, all you got to do is like reach inside your glove, wipe a little on your fingers, and then you rub it on the ball. It's stickier. It's going to come out of your fingertips a little different. Because when you throw a baseball, it's all about, you know, how it comes off your fingers. You know, you holding it a certain way and getting it to come off your fingers in a certain way creates different spin on the ball. When you're a baseball pitcher... The idea is to have more revolutions per minute, spin rate, right? Um, it's the same concept with a golf ball, right? High spin, it's a higher shot. Baseball is a little different because the ball's not traveling as far. But when it spins faster, there's velocity there. It's better, it resists air better for one. Two, high spin is hard to deceive. Or it's hard, it's deceiving, it's hard to perceive, right? High pitchers with a fastball with, I mean, I don't even remember the numbers off the top of my head. I think some, like the best pitchers around will throw a four-seam fastball with like 2,600 like RPMs on the baseball. It could be even higher. It could be 3,000 with some of these guys. I'm not even sure. Um, it looks faster. They jump late life on it. 
Curveballs spin better. More spin you can have on a curveball, the tighter it's going to be and the more it's going to break at the end. I mean, you don't want to throw a big loopy curveball. You want something that it's tight, it, but it still moves, right? Because if you throw it slower, it's going to move a lot more, but you can see it coming and it's much slower. Like the tight late breaks what you want because a hitter can't adjust to it, right? Like your 70 mile an hour curveball, like the Clayton Kershaw throws, might break two feet, you know, 12 6 on a clock. But if he threw that curveball 86, like some guys do now, 86 is a little hard. That's more of a. That's probably like the average slider, you know, 80, 86. 86 for a curveball would be really, really fast. But even, say, 80 miles an hour on your curveball, it's going to be much tighter and a lot later. It gives pitchers an advantage to a point. Like at the end of the day, you got to be able to throw what you want when you want to throw it and where it's going to go. Like you still got to do that. Pine tar is not going to help you do that. It's going to help you make your pitches a little more deceiving, right? But the, the two points I'm trying to make here. Pitchers have been doing this for like 100 years. And now you're going to crack down on it because hitters are complaining about it I've got two points to make here first one Tyler Glasnow I th- this came up again because Tyler Glasnow uh, or Cillian Murphy you should call him because he looks exactly like uh, Peaky Blinders star Cillian, Cillian Murphy um, he needs Tommy John surgery Tommy John surgery it's something with your um, ulnar cruciate ligaments in your elbow I'm not quite sure what um Muscles, no, tendons, muscle to muscle, ligaments, bone to muscle. So it's got to be like, um, I'm not sure if it's your tricep to your elbow or your elbow to your forearm or your like your one of your forearm muscle. It's something in your elbow. And it's a really common surgery with pitchers, right? Because baseball, throwing a baseball overhand is the most unnatural movement in all of sports, just about. If it's not the most unnatural, it's a top five. An unnatural body movement. It's anatomically hard on your joints and ligaments and everything else for that matter. Guys throw so hard now. It's a very common injury that um, you tear that ligament in your elbow. And um, the first guy who had this surgery is named Tommy John. Um, you can take a ligament from a cadaver or from a different ligament in your body and you reconstruct that UCL ligament in your elbow. You come back much stronger most of the time because you have to train the muscles surrounding that ligament and that ligament to make it stronger. And, you know, you just come back. Most guys throw a lot harder when they come back just because now their elbow is rock solid, extremely strong. Tyler Glasnow had some forearm issues in his last start. I think it was uh, Monday night. And um, he's like rambling on about, you know, you're making pitchers change all of a sudden the way they throw and how they doctor up baseballs. And now guys are getting hurt. And I'm like, okay, hold on a second here. These are two completely different examples that you can kind of take to get where what you just said right first of all 
you having pine tar on the ball or anything you use on the ball. I don't care what it is. Vicks Vapor Rub. Fucking mucus. Spit. Pine tar. Motor oil. Jizz. I don't care what it is. Anything you put on the ball is not going to make you injured. Um, how you throw a baseball and how strong you are is going to hurt your elbow. Genetics are a huge part of that. Training is a huge part of that. The pitches you throw are a huge part of that. Guys who threw splitters, I had, had a buddy, we have a buddy in our group chat. Love him. But he said something about how he sees how doctoring up a baseball can lead to injury. No. <laughs> no. It's how you throw a ball. Like, think about a splitter. Okay, you hold a baseball, a split-fingered fastball. What you have to do with the baseball is you, if you're right-handed, well, it doesn't matter if you're right-handed or left-handed, it would just be, like, anatomically opposite. You take the baseball and you wedge them in between your middle and pointer finger as far down as you can. If you're listening to this, just spread them out as far as you can and then take your your other your left thumb and index finger and push them apart. That hurts. Now imagine holding a baseball in there and throwing it as hard as you can. First of all, you're stretching everything in your wrist much farther than it's supposed to go. Like I stopped and it still hurts. And then the thing with the splitter is when you throw it, you have to have your wrist cocked and then you jam down your hand like you're like the opposite of a yo-yo. Like you fling it down hard. That way it looks like a fastball, but then all of a sudden falls off the table. That pitch is bad. Screwball's another one. I can't throw one, I never tried to. It fucking hurt. It's like pronation of your you're throwing the pitch. It's like the opposite of a slider. A slider, you like flick your fingers at the end. That way you get the um, if you're right-handed, it's it moves. If you look at the hands on the clock, it moves like two to eight. Or if you're really snappy with it, like three to nine. It's never gonna go three to nine, but you know somewhere in between that one to eight or one to seven, two to eight range. Cutter works the same way. Screwball's the opposite. You have to pronate that way. It breaks the other way. It moves like a curveball, except eleven to five for a right-handed pitcher. Nobody throws that anymore. It's horrible for your elbow. It's all the tension in your wrist shooting up your arm, and the action of your arm and your elbow and the stress it puts on it that causes these injuries. The only argument I could see for, you know, the substances on the ball affecting your ability to, like, it's the way you grip it. I mean, if you have to, if you throw a breaking ball with, I say pine tar, it's the most common one. If you have to hold a pitch a certain way with pine tar, it's coming off a certain spot on your fingers, right? And you've done this for a long time. Now you have to get rid of that substance. In order to get the pitch to move the way you want it to, you have to alter that grip. It stresses your arm in a different way. That's the only way I can see that being a likely explanation for you being hurt because of that. Otherwise, that argument just makes no sense to me can have your opinion, but it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, the other point I want to make from Klasno's comment, or while we're on the subject, um, why 
Um, why the crackdown now? Right? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Doctoring up the baseball. He said injuries and doctoring up baseball. Two distinct points to me. If you want to look up his quote, go ahead. But why are we so concerned about doctoring up the baseballs now? They're doctored up to begin with. When I say doctored, I mean they're something's applied to them. Guys put dirt on it. Naturally. You don't want to hold like a clean baseball. It doesn't spin the same way. Plus friction when you have something covering where you're holding the ball. They do that anyways. Like, I played college baseball. The home team doctors up the baseballs before the game. And that's an advantage you have. The team you're playing in the other dugout, if you were playing at their place, it'd be totally different. It's how much they put on there. Why is it an issue? I don't see why it's a problem, especially the fact that it's been going on for at least a hundred years. I mean, baseball was invented by, claimed to be invented by Abner Doubleday in what, 1872? I don't know. It's been 150 fucking years and they've been doing it since then and they're going to find a way to do it now. I am a huge advocate of finding a way to gain an advantage within the rules of the game. That is not cheating to me. Now, what the Astros did, that's cheating. You're using technology to give yourself an unfair advantage that the other player or the other team, the players on the other team cannot do. I mean, Jose Altuve wore a wire. Like, what is he, a fucking cop? He had a wire on. And no one can tell me otherwise. Oh, I had a really bad tattoo. Dude, if you had a really bad tattoo, lean into it. That shit's funny. You're already short. Like, they already make fun of you because you're short. You're a really good baseball player, but you're still, you're a fucking short king. They laugh at you for being little all the time. Lean into it. You were wearing a fucking wire, you little narc. But, that's cheating. That's blatantly cheating. Corking your bat, that's cheating. Steroids, I... That's cheating, but I don't think... You can use cheating to withhold people from the Hall of Fame because, yes, you may have been able to hit more home runs, but hitting a home run in itself is still hard. The steroids don't make you hit a baseball better. They make you hit a baseball farther. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger did steroid cycles when he was bodybuilding in the 1970s. He was strong as hell, but he couldn't go hit a fucking baseball like Sammy Sosa could because he can't hit a baseball. Steroids wouldn't make him hit home runs. Practicing baseball makes you hit home runs. That's how I feel on that issue. But what I'm getting at... God, I get so fucking sidetracked. I just feel like I'm on a roll with some of these rants. And I just have to let it all out. But um, you can cheat. It's not cheating if it's within the game. Stealing signs. Like human-to-human stealing signs. Like if your catcher's doing a poor job of hiding his signs of what he's getting to the pitcher... The third base coach should have every right to have some kind of signal to see what's going on. If he sees, okay, the old number one, that's clearly a fastball. Like, everybody has a fastball. If they're tipping off, if, you know, if they're not doing sequence signs or, you know, like you can, catcher can lay down four different signals. Like, one could be a pitch or a zone of the strike zone he wants it in. 
or you can do it any different number of ways right it's just some kind of coded signal to give the pitcher to know what pitch to throw and where to throw it if they're not trying to hide it and you pick up on it uh, pick up on it that's fair game that's fair game anybody can do that and i think they should be encouraged because baseball is a thinking game too it's not it's most definitely a thinking game the essential component of the entire game is thinking what is the pitcher going to do here and you as a pitcher is thinking what is the hitter trying to do here it's a thinking game it's like a physical game of chess between the hitter and the pitcher and then you have all the other components tied to it that's baseball if anybody can do that fuck we did it in high school anybody either team can do that that should be fair game that's how I feel about it but and it's like I mentioned the Astros because like they were blatantly cheating and now you're going to penalize guys who they all do it every pitcher does it you're going to suspend guys for doing that but you won't even hold accountable the World Series champions that actually cheated to get that it makes no sense no sense but I mean baseball is going to continue to just market the game poorly and do all these fucking things that make no sense until Rob Manfred's gone and then the people our age are running the commission or running the major league baseball office that's just how it's going to have to be and it's a shame but that's just the way it's going to be all right think i've done enough ranting for today you can follow me on twitter instagram and snapchat at jake sawinski 8 that's at j-a-k-e-s-a-w-i-n-s-k-i-8 i hope you guys have a good week and talk to you next time rate review subscribe please actually not please do it rate review subscribe peace